That's better, isn't it? Okay. Um, yes, growing up, growing up in as a, I was, grew up as a Sunday school kid, and uh, we used to sing. We used to sing a lot. And uh, one of the songs that we used to sing frequently, "Jesus uh, Loves the Little Children." Do you know the next line? All the children of the world. Now, this is the non-PC part. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Isn't that such a simple song? So simple, but... Uh, in in so many children's songs, and in, uh, I learnt this as a as a children's worker, deep theological truths, deep truths that are contained in such simple words. So I'm going to do. I'm, we're going to go a little bit interactive this morning in a very appropriate COVID way. Um, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and here's here's the question. Do you believe it's true that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world? There's, there's your first question. Do you, do you believe that that's true? Hands up for those who say, yes, I actually believe that that is true. Okay. Here's your second question to ask the person beside you. There's going to be three questions altogether. Uh, you only have to answer to the third one I'll answer. Uh, second question, why? Why does Jesus love the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight? Jesus loves the little children. Why? Have a go at trying to answer that one with the person beside. Okay, there's going to be lots of different answers this time, and you're wearing masks, so here's the thing, you're going to have to shout out your answers, because masks do muffle. So anyone have a good answer? Well, or the person beside them, and you can tell their answer, because if, if it's no good, then it's their answer. Um, <laughs> what, what, was the, what did you have for why does Jesus do that? Because they all come from him. They're his kids are his they're his creation. Yes? Good answer. Because that's his nature, he's compassionate. Yes. Because he He made us and he takes care of us. Great answer. Yeah. Out of the words, out of the mouse of babes. Yes, sorry, nine year olds. Um they're, they're great answers. We're gonna zero in on on a gonna kind of pull some of those answers together this morning here's the third question though so we've said does Jesus love little children yes we believe he does why because he's compassionate because he made us because he's our king all of those things he loves us he cares about us here's the third question how how does how does Jesus love those little children because Love is not just a feeling, is it? We know that. We know love's not just a feeling, it's an action. Love is something that is, is actually demonstrated. You can say as much as you like that you love someone, but if you never demonstrate that, then you question the truth of that. So here's the final question. How 
does Jesus love the little children? So I'm going to give the answer right now. And so if you just want to kind of tune out for the rest of my time talking, that's fine. You'll know the answer. So if somebody comes home, if you go home and somebody says, what was the sermon about? Oh, it was about how Jesus loves the little children. So here is how Jesus loves all those children of the world through his church, through us. We are his hands and feet. We are the body of Christ. We are his action and activity. That's how Jesus loves the little children and loves all of us. So that's what we're going to focus in on today. Uh, we had uh, that, that Bible reading from, from Matthew 18. And I think Matthew 18 is actually going to help us to kind of zero in on that a little bit more. But, but like all... Um, all times when you, you read a Bible, a Bible passage and you've got no context around it, it can be tricky because sometimes you can kind of go down a wrong, a wrong path. So let's just, let's just double back just for a moment and get a little bit of context. So we're just going to... If, oh, look, it even works. Um, see, this is verse 5 of that, that, section, um, that section we read. I'm just going to read the first five verses again. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to them and placed the child among them and said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like, a little, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So this is from the, the book of Matthew. And the book of Matthew uh, is one of the, the four Gospels, the four um, accounts of Jesus' life. Three of them eyewitness accounts. One of them a report from eyewitnesses. So, so Matthew is an eyewitness account. He was there. He saw these things. He was part of these things happening. And his whole purpose in writing a, his account of Jesus was to, he was writing it to the Jews to say to them, Jesus is the one that you've been waiting for. He is the promised one. He is the Messiah. And with Jesus, he comes as the King of heaven. And with him comes the kingdom of heaven. This is new. This is, this is big. It's not the kingdom of Israel anymore. It's the kingdom of heaven. And he starts to unpack what that means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. You, you, you may remember earlier in the book of Matthew, there's that, that moment where John the Baptist is baptizing in the River Jordan and Jesus comes to him and says, you need to baptize me. First, John's reluctant, uh, but then he does. And as he does, the heavens open and they hear a voice and it's a voice from God. And the voice says, this is my son who, with whom I am pleased. Listen to him follow him Jesus is the king of heaven so as I said he's the promised one 
He's the one that was called the Messiah. He's the awaited king of heaven. People have been waiting for him for generations. He's the, with the coming of Jesus, the king, comes the kingdom of heaven here on earth and into eternity. Everything changes with Jesus coming. And he comes to rescue and redeem a people to himself. To draw a people that will be his own people. His own servants of the kingdom. And we become the servants in the kingdom of heaven. We become kingdom hearted. And we share God's purposes and his character. That's what Matthew is talking about when he's talking about Jesus coming and coming as king. And so Jesus has been speaking about not just who he is, but the purpose in him coming and what his kingdom will look like. And he's been speaking about that all the way through the book of Matthew. And he's been condemning um, the, the religious leaders of the time. He's been speaking about his own need to uh, lay down his life and, and how humbly uh, that, that he's not taking on the, his role of king, uh, but, but he's coming as a humble servant. And he's been speaking about all of those things continually. And we get to chapter 18 and the disciples have been, this has all been going through their minds. Kingdom of heaven. I'm getting this kingdom of heaven thing. Uh, we're, Jesus, we're, we're Jesus' closest followers. We're, we're quite important. And so they get to this point where they ask this question. This is the, the beginning of chapter 18. And they say, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, you would like to think, if you were being generous, that the disciples, it was just kind of like an idle question or just, you know, general curiosity. Jesus, we were just wondering who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But I, I suspect we know that actually that's not the case. Um, they were recognizing that they themselves, being close to Jesus, had a specific role. And part of that in their pride um, made them feel as though they were important. And so were, um, other Gospels talk about how they're arguing amongst themselves about who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so it's not coming from a good place. It's actually coming from um, yeah, a, a place of pride. And by uh, even asking the question of Jesus, it shows that they don't get it it shows that they are equating greatness with with some kind of um, either prosperity or some kind of importance or, or some kind of um, uh, role where people look up to them and see them as uh, as being great and of value it, it comes from a, a place not of idle curiosity but of pride so so here we are they've asked the question who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus gives his answer. What does he do? He steps away from where he is and goes to a small child and brings that child back into the middle 
of where all of these men were standing. Now you can imagine, you can imagine the scene, can't you? There's Jesus in the centre. There's the disciples, his disciples around him, and it, and it probably went out in kind of steps from there. Um, you know, the people who knew the disciples and, and were, were close and, and many followed Jesus around. Um, and then there were, there were people who were interested on the day and maybe the idly curious and then others. And then the kids. And the kids are at the back or the kids are kind of around their parents' legs um, being largely ignored because they're kids. They're just this gaggle uh, that are always there effectively, even though you can see them, they're effectively invisible. And yet Jesus brings a child right to the centre of the circle. And the child comes and the child stays there in the centre of the circle. Now kids in those days... They were, they, as I said, they were largely invisible. They, they didn't really have any rights. Uh, they weren't regarded highly. They were vulnerable. They were dependent, like kids are today. Easily exploited, like kids are today. Um, their existence, fragile. Infant mortality rates, very high in those days. Um, they, they had value in the future as, um, you know, as workers and, and part of the community, but really that was to be realised. Um, they weren't completely they weren't unloved by their parents or anything like that they weren't unappreciated they were seen as a a gift from god a great gift from god april and i were just talking about that this morning how how precious children are um but they weren't seen as the center of things they're on the they're on the margins and so what jesus is doing is he's shifting the goalposts when you think about what greatness is. And he's saying what is on the edge needs to be in the centre. The marginalised becomes, not is taken from the margins and put into the centre. That is what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. Caring about the, them and caring about these things. And this is shocking. To the disciples because they, they were probably feeling pretty good about themselves up to this point conveniently forgetting Jesus condemnation of the religious leaders of the time who were doing exactly the same thing conveniently forgetting um, Jesus description of his himself as being the humble servant king forgetting all of those things but Jesus says no way we're not forgetting any of those things and he brings them the child to the center and says to the, the disciples not only think about this child but you must be like this child you must be like them what does that mean to be like a child we think you think about what happened jesus called the child the child came the child obediently came the child stood, or sat, we don't know, amongst the group. The child stayed. The child listened and waited on the words of the king. That's what it means to be childlike. That's what Jesus was showing. 
And so what does he say to the disciples here? He says, you actually have to completely flip and change what's important to you. Greatness is not about competition. It's about care. Greatness is not about a social position. Greatness is not about wealth accumulation. Greatness is not about, and and Sky very helpfully was praying about the things that were important before. It's, It's not about who we are, what we have, what we'll achieve, uh, what we've gathered together in our lives. Greatness is about humility before God. Humility before God. Not just humility generally, but humility before God. Recognising that God calls us to bring the people from the margins into the centre and to care for them. And so what God is saying to, Jesus is saying to the disciples is that that you actually have to embrace a, a completely different path towards greatness. Something completely different. One that's marked by, I guess, a, a low social status. One that's marked by humbly interacting with those who are vulnerable and powerless. And Jesus identifies those characteristics as things that are welcomed by God. It's those who are humble that are the greatest, those who put themselves aside and place God and his character and his purposes and his plans first. So the child who's standing amongst the disciples That child didn't claim any right to be there. They didn't impose any kind of self-importance on themselves. They humbly stood and stayed and listened and obeyed the kingdom, the king of heaven. So for us, it means a change of heart. Just that's what Jesus was saying to the disciples. It's something that's marked by vulnerability, something that's marked by powerlessness, something that's marked by a lack of status, something that's marked by the absence of a quest for greatness and domination. It's not about competing with others. It's about caring for others. And it's something that that we see uh, in compassion every single day as people care for those in need. People care for the marginalised, they care for vulnerable children. The most vulnerable of all children are children who are living in poverty. So let me, let's talk about those kids. Um, 2020, the year that's just gone, and incredibly difficult for children living in poverty. Um, over the past 50 years... We've seen something really interesting happen in our world. And that is that the number of people living in poverty over the past 50 years has substantially reduced. Substantially. Since the Second World War. There was a lot of people living in poverty in the Second World War. And there's been substantial steps every single year globally. 
and uh, the the world agreed to in 2020 to what were sorry in in the year 2000 to what were called the Millennium Goals, and they were about further reducing poverty, in fact, halving poverty. And so every single year since 1950, the level of poverty in our world, extreme poverty, has gone down, and down, and down, and down until 2020 and in 2020 directly as a result of COVID we saw an increase of 75 million people in our world three times the population of Australia go back into extreme poverty and one of the greatest impacts of of, of COVID in countries like Indonesia have been the economic impacts because people who's, who had a tenuous grip on survival through, da- through jobs that um, were, were day workers, uh, dad would go out and try and find work for the day. Uh, if he found work that day, he would go to the markets on the way home and purchase the food for the family to eat that night. Those jobs have completely disappeared through COVID. Completely disappeared. Um, I heard a statistic at the end of last year that said half of all of the jobs in Africa, the continent of Africa, are gone. And that, that has incredible impact on the vulnerable. And that's the children who depend on those parents to have those jobs. Um, so 2020 has not spared children who are living in poverty. In fact, it's made it worse for them. The effects have been devastating. Um, we've, we've seen loss of jobs. We've seen um, loss of food security, therefore. Uh, we've seen families impacted by the actual um, COVID virus um, and particularly families where uh, the, ch- the child may be a carrier and the vulnerable grandparents um, uh, res- that have no resilience, no physical resilience to resist that. Um, so we've seen family members stick and dying and we've seen um, also tragically lack of access for people spiritually in churches um, because churches um, are closed just as they are in Australia but there's no live streaming or anything like that. Uh, there's no internet um, and so people are disconnected from church and disconnected from one another. Now if that was the end of the story that would be a tragic story but it's not because we know that God is working for good Uh, amongst those who love him and we know that his purposes work out God's not surprised by COVID they don't upset God's plans Um, and so we've seen his church work remarkably during this time remember right back at the beginning the first the question we asked right at the beginning how does God love the little children of the world through us and in this time we've seen um, uh, so the, the local churches who are running compassion programs for the two, over now over 2 million children in the world in 25 countries, but we're, we're focusing on Indonesia this morning. Um, we've seen those churches flip their model almost overnight. Because the children couldn't come to the churches, we went to their homes. We delivered food. We delivered medicines. We delivered um, hygiene education. Um, 
we did that over the first few months from about March. Um, and we're able to do that within literally within two weeks of the global pandemic lockdown. Um, uh, in some countries, we, we responded a month before the, the governments of those countries did anything um, because it was the local churches. There was no government infrastructure that we had to go through or anything like that. Uh, the churches were able to do it. Um, and we're so thankful for that. We've seen the blessing of God in those families. And wonderfully, we've seen... Um, uh, been able to convert our programs from being delivered at the churches to actually being delivered to children in their homes. Um, and, uh, and here is God at work, uh, children reading the Bible in their homes, singing Christian songs. In many cases, their parents, who would normally be out of work, are home, hearing these truths being so captured by the compassion of the local church workers that they want themselves come to Christ. And we've seen Jesus working and growing his kingdom through this challenging time. So, Jesus with the disciples and the small child. And Jesus says, you need to be like this child. But here is the kicker for the disciples. How do they demonstrate that? It's not just a, um, oh yes, I should be like a child. Yes, I'll try to be like a child. Um, Jesus says, care for that child. Care for this little one and that little one, the ones that are on the margins. Here is the character of God lived in you. Take your efforts and put your efforts into caring for them what reward will you get for caring for them in this world nothing in fact it will cost you it's a it's a cost in one way but in another way there's no cost at all because we're actually taking on the character of god not out of a burden, um, not out of, of some kind of obligation, but because God puts his character in us. In fact, God says, said earlier, Jesus said in, in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here is the character of the compassionate God saying, pour, pour yourself out on me, because I've already given everything for you. It won't be burdensome. And so as we take on God's character, as we are transformed, not because we're doing it out of some kind of our own strength, but through this Holy Spirit that transforms us to make us more like Jesus. It becomes easy for us to be compassionate, easy for us to be humble, easy for us to pursue a heart for the little ones the vulnerable ones in our world and not to seek our own satisfactions. 
And that's the joy that we have day by day in compassion to see that partnership of churches around the world. To see Christians in Australia softening their hearts, caring for the child in need. And churches collectively together doing that with kids in a particular area. So as a, as a church family, you have a heart for kids in a particular area. And then uh, as Rob was talking about, he went to see uh, their sponsor kids. Uh, we do that with churches as well. Not at the moment, because uh, we can't travel at the moment. Um, but we take church families to go and visit their sponsor children and meet the families. And so we have church families meeting church families and God being praised and glorified because of that. These are the wonderful gifts. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap up in a moment, but I, I, want, to, um, I want you to hear firsthand um, what it's been like for uh, the, the families and the churches in Indonesia. So I'm just going to show a, a short clip that, that we received right at the end of last year um, from the churches in Indonesia to update you guys on what's going on, um, and then I'll come back and pray. Hi all the sponsor. Uh, apa kabar? Shalom. Uh, greetings from Indonesia. We partner with a 735 church partner in all Indonesia, start from Sumatra to Papua. The impact caused by the pandemic. First one is about the physical health. The second part is related to the access to education. Today we are facing very a difficult situation. Life is seems very hard for for the children and the family. The parents don't lose their job, so many families they're facing hunger. We ensure that every children in the family they're safe now. All the project staff visit every family. They pray together and they bring uh, basic needs for the family. They were in tears because they realized that the church, the compassion, is the first one who come to help them. As you know, for the children and the youth of the poor, education is one of the major intervention for them to be out of the poverty in the mid and the long term of their lives. We have an entrepreneurship a tutorial. Our two youth, especially, they make a chandelier from bamboo and they say, when it complete finish, I will sell this one and I will use that money to buy uh, basic food for other families, for those who are in need. So even though this seems very small, but for me, our project children, they not thinking of themselves in this situation, but they start to think of others. That's the, the story that really really touch me. Thank you for your sponsors and donors wherever you are for your faithful investment contribution to the life of their children and youth that God loves so much. The poor children of the family. You provide the security of the kingdom of God through the churches in their lives. 
I pray that again God may protect you and may keep you and may God bless all of you. Thank you so much. Terima kasih banyak. Isn't that great? Isn't that great to see the kingdom of God lived out through those churches? That they, the, what they pursue of most first importance is to share Jesus with children and to care for their needs as first importance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your incredible goodness to us. We thank you for your compassion that you pour out on us through the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. When we were at our poorest spiritually, Lord, you reached in and rescued us. You redeemed us from our sinful, the, the cost of our sin and have given us a new life in you. You have drawn us into your kingdom you are our king, our hope, and our future. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to transform us to be like you. Lord, that you'll help us not to pursue the things of this world, but to pursue the things that you see of the greatest importance. That the marginalized become the center. That the small child is something that we choose to invest into so that they can know you and love you and be your child spiritually. Lord, we pray that you can help us to continue to grow to be generous, compassionate children of you. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, Bruce. It's, um, it's, it's eye-opening, isn't it? I mean, we, um, on the one hand, it sort of feels a bit out there when we don't experience that firsthand, but it's a reality. Um, if you want more information of just an eyewitness of someone that's actually been to Indonesia, been to one of these Compassion International sites, come talk to April and myself. Um, we're not, you know... There's not a little kickback from Bruce from this or something like this is we've seen it firsthand. We can tell you exactly what's going on, how the gospel is presented there. And so um, just want to encourage you. Look, I would guess this is kind of how we work as humans. We, you probably listen to that and you go, oh, man, wow. Especially with COVID, poverty levels are, you know, taking a worse dive, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I heard him say 48 bucks. Look, I just... I, I just don't have that. I just don't. I just, I just don't have that much. I, I just. I just don't have that money. I, I'd love to do it, but look, I just don't. I, I remember uh, I, when I was a youth pastor, uh, there were a handful of kids, I don't know, maybe seven or eight of them. Kids is in you know grade nine, grade ten, grade eleven, and and they were exposed to Compassion International on a Sunday like this, and it was pretty cool because typically, you know. Students that are in grade 9, 10, and 11, they don't, they don't have a lot of extra coin. But what they did is they said, well, why don't, why don't we split this up? So, like, you know, I, you can do five per month. Okay, cool. Yep. Oh, I, I can do eight. 
Okay, yeah, oh, what about you? And Yeah, I can do 10. Okay, cool. Well, we're almost there. And, and everybody was able to chip in. Some of you might say, oh, you know, I, I'm pretty keen to sponsor a kid. I just don't think I have the money. Well, look, you can partner with someone in this church, a friend, someone in your growth group, whatever, and to say, hey, what if we split this? What if we split the 48? Right? There's, there's feasible ways to do that. So I just want to encourage you to chat with Bruce afterwards and head out to the lobby and, and really be praying and saying, okay, is this something that I can really contribute to? Um, if you've got a Netflix account, Disney Plus, like the, if you think about all the things, that extra ways that we spend money, uh, coffees th two, three times a day, whatever it might be, you can actually, there's feasible, tangible ways we're all, everyone in this room is rich comparatively to, to this, right? And so there's ways that we should, if, we're, if really like the compassion of Jesus is, is stirred our hearts, should be reaching out to these people. So, um, and not just to, you know, give them a meal, but to actually, we want to feed them spiritually, right? So um, look, if you're here and, and you're a Christian and, and uh, you know, you, you're hearing what Bruce was saying about, that the Lord has actually done a good work. Jesus has, has drawn, drawn you to himself, that you understood what it means to place your, like a child, to, to be dependent upon him. Dependent in the sense where you are saying, I, I understand my great sinfulness, my separation from God, that my sin actually offends God, and that I have placed my faith in Jesus alone for the hope of forgiveness and eternal life. If that's you this morning and you're here, I just encourage you to celebrate that eternal reality. Um, that this this is a time where, really, we're 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 looking backwards and forward in communion. We're looking backwards to everything that Christ has done and forward to the time that we'll be with Him forever. And so, if you are a Christian, uh, we're gonna ask the helpers to distribute the um, little wafer and the juice, and ask you to. Go ahead and grab that and hold on to the elements and wait until um, we can actually take them together as a church body. So what we'll do is uh, we'll have the helpers come by and distribute them. And again, if you are a Christian and you are identifying with Christ, um, then I'd encourage you to do so. If you are not a Christian, I'd encourage you not to take the elements. Um, and to look on, to allow those elements to go past. Okay, so um, we'll take this time now of reflection as the ladies come up and uh, we'll, we'll sing this, we'll watch them sing this last song. Listen to us sing this last song. <laughs> Contempt 
that Jesus was betrayed he took bread and after breaking it he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me let's take and eat in the same way after supper he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this in remembrance of me let's take and drink Thanks, Robin. Thanks for that this morning, Bruce. It was really great to hear from you. And if God is stirring in your heart, if that is something that you can do to sponsor a child in Indonesia, then don't leave this morning without having a chat. Uh, Bruce is going to have a table in the hall and you can have a look at the pictures there, the faces of these children in need. And it's one way that you can uh, live out your faith in a real um, yeah, real genuine way. So I encourage you to consider that this morning, more than consider to do something about that this morning. Uh, as you go, um, it's a beautiful day outside and you can take your mask off and chat, so I encourage you to do that out in the backyard. Maybe you're going to meet up with someone today and um, read the Bible together or something like that, but we really encourage you to continue to encourage one another to be God's people together. As you go, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.